day. Welcome. It is the Bill Michaels show. No bill again today. I am Ben Kenny taking you through to 2 p.m. on this beautiful Wednesday in the state of Wisconsin. Grant Bills will be along for the ride at 1030. He's getting his brakes changed on his car, actually, and had to come in a little bit late to hit this show with me. Joining me, though, for a couple minutes is Ebo, the old over-the-line crossover. And how are we looking? Ugh. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. It's it's nice not to have to leave the studio to go back to my office and wither away. So it's nice to stay in here. Thank yeah. you. Well, it's nice to keep me in check in uh, personally instead no, no, of just now listening. Now you keep me in check. So I keep you in check and over line. Now you keep me in check. That's how the role reversal works, young Ben Kenny. Good point. Good point. All right. Big show today. I It was a... So my brand... I'm not usually one to immediately go for the water cooler talk when I first start. Like I'm a big fan of the general water cooler talk. Oh, well, you see the weather in? yesterday, this and that. But man, yesterday was a hot one. And that's going to play into what we're talking about later. I was out golfing. I uh, had a lot of fun. Didn't play well. I, I'm not hitting the ball well at all. But there were some things I saw when I was out there. And I, I guess uh, the human body and, and the human conscious acts differently when the weather gets to a certain point. Uh, thankfully it rained on us a bit, cooled us down. So a lot of fun, but there were some things I saw and I'm going to hit that when Grant shows up. It rained yesterday around 1030. It did around right before the sun was setting. It was a, oh. like immediate little flash shower, which cooled it all down. So very welcome at that point. It was hot. It I was I, warm. I'm not used to that. I'm more of a mid seventies kind of guy than necessarily up in the 90s. It's called oppressive heat. Then. But I do have air conditioning, which is good. <laughs> uh, so I was driving back, and the Brewers game had started. So I turn it on on this fine station in my car, and I'm listening. Uh, the Cardinals get off to a hot start against Chichi Gonzalez, and then the Brewers come back. Adamas goes deep to tie it, and I finally am able to sit in front of the TV and watch it when I get home. And this was right when Nolan Gorman hit the home run in the fourth to take a 3-2 lead. Now, at that point, Chichi Gonzalez's day was done. Three runs through four. First of all, wildly impressed. I was wrong. I was wrong. I thought it was going to be a blow-up from the start. Both him and Jason Alexander, I well, tweeted this. It looked this. like that at first, didn't it? It, it yeah. did. Their success it, it's, has dumbfounded me. I don't get it. Well, they, here's what you got to understand. David Stearns is really good at finding these guys that are kind of toiling around and somehow like believe, well, believing in them, despite the numbers saying otherwise and finding like a little reborn again. Now I'm not saying you look at Chichi Gonzalez, what he had a 7.71 career ERA or whatever, or on the season, excuse me. I think his career is five something, but he came in, Ben, the Brewers needed an arm and Craig council after the game said, we needed 12 outs, got 12 outs. You just didn't get any hits from the offense. But yeah, Jason Alexander, dude, and the Chichi Gonzalez, when they need arms, it's been kind of, I know it didn't win, but it's been nice. Yeah, they've been godsends to this team, to this rotation, one that has dealt with a lot of injury. But I, I say the home run against Chichi because that's, that's really when my mood kind of switched. So I'm sitting in front of the TV. I'm watching the game. At that point, Gonzalez leaves the game. It's three to two Cardinals. We go to the bottom of the fourth. I, I think you have to feel great at that point as a Brewers fan. He only gave up three runs. You're only down one in a start. This is one of those games you think entering. It's like this could be a throwaway game. This could just be uh, Jack Flaherty's coming back. Now, he doesn't have much length to him these days. He's coming back off injury, but he's an ace, and he has the stuff to get it done. Uh, yet, Gonzalez is there. You expect the Cardinals to have a lot of success. 
One may ask, though, was Paul Goldschmidt dodging Chichi Gonzalez <laughs> when he pulled out of yesterday's was game? Was it a back? Was it a back? Yeah. Tightness or something? Something stiff. Yeah. But I felt good at that point. It's 3-2 to two in the fourth inning. And then from there, the Brewers had two base runners in the last six innings. And that includes 4-5-6-7-8-9. Two base runners. One of them was a one-out double in the ninth. So, And the game was already over at that point. It was 6-2. to two. There was one out. It didn't look like the team could get anything together. They had one meaningful base runner in the last six innings of the game. I think, I mean, it was the biggest slap in the face to maybe the Brewers can come back and somehow salvage a win here. So the Cardinals take it six to two. Uh, Now they are back tied 39 and 31 atop the NL Central. I think right now where I stand, and I'll ask you this as well, Ebo, I think a split is definitely a win going down to these last two games. And then you get a really good and, and powerful Toronto team. I think they're standing one and one so far this week. I think a four and three week is no doubt a win at this point. Oh yeah, most definitely. And you look into this and I know Rowdy had brought it up before on my show over the line, our show over the line is like a split is, you know, coming into the series, the Brewers and Cardinals have already split uh, so far in this season. So you look at these two teams going to be battling for first place in the NL central all year to have a split just seems kind of like, par for the course that you just came off mm. of last night, Ben, to watch this Brewers game. But yeah, Two pars. I made two pars. To have a split would totally be successful for the Brewers. I know, obviously, you're at home, so maybe like to go three to one. But the, at the end of the day, you know, going into the series, the Brewers were going one way and the Cardinals were going the other. Like The Cardinals were going up, the Brewers were going down. Brewers kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. But if you get a decent start or can like I know, again, they lost, but not get blown up at Chicha Gonzalez. You see, like the likes of a Jason Alexander can do. You're playing with house money right now to the likes of Brandon Woodruff or Freddie Peralta come back. Yeah, and here's also why yesterday doesn't really ring any bells for me. I, I'm not wildly concerned after yesterday's performance. I, the Cardinals' bullpen has been good. I, we know the offense got nothing going against them. I will note, leadoff Yelich, one for three with a walk. Still did his job. I, but the bullpen, the Brewers' bullpen, entering yesterday had not allowed an earned run in 28 and a third innings. Yeah. Obviously, the one run they did give up was, I believe, Brent Suter in New York when the Mets scored that run on the Telez error, I believe it was called, and ended up winning that game. So the bullpen was kind of due. There are times where you go through this crazy streak. We saw it with Hayter. Eventually, uh, it's baseball. Eventually, you're going to give up a run. So not a good bullpen outing by any means, but not one that concerned me. It was a pen that had been lights out for, for weeks. 877-867-1670. We will take your calls in the first segment. Let's yeah. go to line one. You're on the Bill Michael Show. Who do we got? Line one. Going once. Going twice. No dice. Yeah. All right. I mean, a robocaller to start the show is a, is a hot stuff. They were just, it was probably Chichi Gonzalez, man. He's like, thanks for the love. He got to probably a little clamored up a little bit, you know? Maybe it was Jason Alexander saying thanks for the love. Got a little gun shy. So moving forward this series, you have Jason Alexander going tomorrow afternoon. But Eric Lauer versus Adam Wainwright tonight. We'll Ooh, talk about Wainwright. that game a lot throughout today. And then Dakota Hudson versus Jason Alexander. But yeah, I mean, even with the Brewers sweep of the Reds and Grant and I were on on Monday and I thought the Brewers had turned a corner with that performance and Grant put it well. He said they they didn't turn a corner to being this NL Central favorite again or by no means one of the best teams in the NL. But I put it that th- there are many corners you turn throughout your day, right? There's yeah. the corner to the bathroom. There's the corner here to the studio. Yeah. There's one in your home to the kitchen. But they turn the corner towards getting out of this horrid slump. 
And yeah, I think a split here against the Cardinals would be a well, big win. The first game against the Cardinals was what was a hell of a game. Like that was one of the best complete Brewers games I had seen all season. So we'll see what happens again. Like, you know, today you're talking about tonight, I should say, Ben. Uh, but did you know uh, they just hit the 70 mark for 70 games? The Brewers, when it comes to health-wise, and Rowdy brought this stat up, they've been health completely healthy outside of Pedro Severino, who got popped for PEDs right before the season started. The Brewers team that was assembled has been completely healthy for four games out of the 70. And look at them, tied for first place in the NL Central. That is the glass half full way to look at it. Uh, I am taking the glass. I'll take the glass half full when you look at the batters and the fielders and the hitting roster. But when it comes to the pitchers, I'm still kind of glass half empty because we see so many times in baseball when guys go out for extended periods of time. Like I, this is an extreme example, but look at Noah Syndergaard right now. He has lost all of his juice on his fastball. He had to become pretty much a different pitcher because his injuries didn't allow him to still overpower guys. And, I mean, you had Andrew Benatendi turn on one of his fastballs the other night. So when I look at the rotation, I am still kind of pessimistic with how it's going to look going down the stretch of the year because I can't expect anything great from Peralta. I just hope he comes back. Maybe a middle relief to long relief role in the playoffs it would be a massive win if he could come back in the rotation and be good. Woodruff, I hope. But, I mean, he, he's dealing with... with. Well, he's got his second uh, minor league start tomorrow uh, for the Timber Rattlers. He's going to have his second start. Before that was with uh, a double-A. That has to be a fun ticket to get. Could you imagine being a triple-A, like, just a triple-A guy, and all of a sudden you got to get mowed down by Brandon Woodruff? I saw a video last night of Max Scherzer on a rehab start. I forget where, but he was sitting in the dugout, pumping himself up like you would see before Game 7 of the World Series. Yeah, it's awesome. Just getting in the zone. That's why he's a pro. That's why he's a pro's pro. To go mow down guys that won't sniff the big leagues. I mean, those guys, you get so good by routine, and you never change that routine, and you always got to have the mindset that I'm going to go out there and be a, like a Cy Young Award winner. That's why those guys are so good, because they, they don't break that mentality. I love it. But yeah, Woody's going to get his uh, second start tomorrow. And then we'll see what happens. Like, what, Aaron Ashby is down with the left forearm tightness. Yeah, who you just said, Freddie Peralta. Was good. Who knows about Peralta? Yeah, but I just, I, I don't feel great about Woodruff because of what he's dealt with. Like, it's not like, it's not like it was only a sprained ankle, which then you'd it's be okay with. Renown syndrome? Yeah, when you have, when your fingers get uh, no. tingly. Yeah. Tingly fingers. And, I mean, when you have to throw breaking stuff, that's obviously not what you need. I think tonight's a big start for Eric Lauer. He he started the year on an absolute tear. And some of the reason that I've I've gotten so deep into not only the start by start performance of the Brewers starting pitchers, but guys around the league is Eric Lauer's on my fantasy team (laughs) and it has worked very well uh, up to this point. I picked him up after the draft, but he was on an absolute tear pretty much until the end of May. And then he had a couple so so starts, but not bad by any means. But he has that blow up in Washington eight earned runs through five innings on the 11th of June, and then four earned runs through six and a third against Cincinnati. Not bad, but not good by any means. I think this is this could be a big bounce back start for Lauer because that's a, that's a really good Cardinals lineup. He's the guy you would trust more to get the win. Obviously, him and, and Jason Alexander go in game four. So the same way that 
Corbin Burns came up and set the tone right for the series. I think that's what Lauer has to do tonight, and I think he does. I know wins and losses don't really matter much anymore for a starting pitcher, but you look at Eric Lauer, he's the best on the Brewers' staff. Oh, what is he, 6-2 and two on the year? So, I mean, Corbin Burns is what, 6-4, five, 5-4, and, four, five and four, one of the other things like that? I know wins and losses don't really matter much for a pitcher, uh, but it, Eric Lauer has been having a really nice season, and to your point of Corbin Burns setting the tone, I totally agree with you there, Ben. We were uh, playing a clip last week from CC Sabathia in his time with the Brewers, pitching every three days, and he said, "Like guys that command up there, not command respect, but when they're a guy that out there get on the mound and they set a tone, other guys gravitate towards that." Corbin Burns, you saw a young award winner who just had a phenomenal game. I think guys gravitate towards that. Be like, "All right, now watch what I can do, Corbin." I think that's what Eric Lauer's going to do. Yeah, uh, one can only hope he has the stuff to do it. I mentioned this with Grant. Uh, when you have a guy like Chichi Gonzalez or Jason Alexander that only strike out around three hitters <laughs> for nine innings, it's harder to pitch around a lot of traffic on the base pass. But when he turns, and we saw this when he was against Philly a couple weeks ago, actually, when he doesn't have his good stuff and he's not locating everything, he still has the pure strikeout stuff to get by it. Then when it's clicking, we saw what happened on Monday. Lauer, at the same way, this year's kind of been a, a crazy... Uh, progression year for Lauer in that, I mean, his strikeouts per nine is nine and a half. That is on par almost with what Brandon Woodruff does. So he has the stuff you would think that even if the Cardinals find some success, he could still get out of the jam. All right, 877-867-1670. There's also something that's going to persist throughout the show. Mm. Uh, Grant and I are going to get into the golf situation coming up here in about 15 minutes, it has to do with the lack of uh, a lack of clothing, I guess, is a or very, lack of etiquette. Uh, one would call it lack of etiquette. I call it a lack of clothing <laughs> yesterday. Uh, but a Packers 53 man roster projection from Rob Domofsky came out yesterday. And I think it's an interesting comparison where the team stands right now and where they were at this point last season, entering the year where the roster stood. I could make the argument, and I will as we go forward, that I think I like this year's roster more. And we'll go through who Rob had in his projection, where the differences lie, and Grant and I are also going to get into if the two teams had to play each other, who would win that game? Which is going to be a fun dissection. We also have more disaster from the NFL and Dan Snyder. Roger Goodell is up there taking bullets for Snyder. I'm wondering when it's going to end, but we're going to get into that. The NBA draft is tomorrow. I'm sure Grant will come. NBA takes a bound. The PGA Tour finally has a response in a way to what the Live did. I think it's a horrible response. We'll get into that and more. It is the Bill Michaels Show. I'm Ben Kenny. In for Bill. We'll be back after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in. It is the Bill Michaels show. Ben Kenny in for Bill Michaels. Grant Bills will be along next coming up next segment. Getting into uh, the golf course situation. I found myself in yesterday with the uh, lack of clothing of people out there. And I think it brings up an interesting ethical question about where we stand when the temperature reaches a hundred plus degrees 877-867-1670. We'll be talking Brewers all day. 
if you want to chime in, is a split still a success here against the Cardinals after they split the first two games? Should three and one be the expectation here? End of the week, include that Blue Jays series. Should four and three, should we be sitting three and four? Where are we at with this team right now? And are you concerned at all at the offense's lack of production, really? I mean, one base runner after the third inning is not good. And I, it doesn't take a genius to see that. But there was just no traffic on the base pass to get anything going. A lot of deep flyouts when it was a one-run game, but not nearly enough to get anything going against what has been a, a good Cardinals bullpen. That guy, Giovanni Gallegos, I mean, man, pitched two innings last night. He's been disgusting. It's the Cardinals, and, and it sucks, but, you know, they, they always have those horses in the back of the bullpen to close games and, and win games. So Craig Council, after the game, was talking about what they got from Chichi Gonzalez in his start. And I was talking about this with Ebo last segment. I mean, him and Jason Alexander have been a godsend to this rotation. It's a rotation that's obviously been missing three of, now it's missing three of its horses, but two of its main horses had been out for for extended time. And usually when that happens, I mean, that is a pivotal blow. There aren't many MLB teams that are well-equipped to just throw in starter number seven, starter number eight, and still go out there and win baseball games. Although the Brewers lost last night, I'm going to group in Chi-Chi Gonzalez's start with what Jason Alexander's done and say it's been a massive success. Do I think it is sustainable given all the base runners and lack of strikeouts? No, but your hope is they don't really need those guys to continue starting games as the season goes on. Here's what Council after the game had to say about Chi-Chi Gonzalez and his start yesterday. We got 12 outs. I think that was, you know, but going into it, we were hoping we get 12 outs. Um, so him getting us to that point in the game, um, you know, was a job well done and definitely still in the game at that point. 12 outs. I mean, yeah, it was all you needed. I think the three runs, like that first inning, it looked like disaster was just going to come. The The Cardinals got a lot going. They scored two runs. But then bouncing back for a scoreless second and a scoreless third, and then that one mistake to Nolan Gorman in the fourth, I think three runs through four there is a success given given the context and the fact he was actually able to go four. Like the Cardinals, you look at the other side, Jack Flaherty. He's a guy, he's an ace. He's coming off of a significant injury. He's working his way back. He's had a couple starts so far this year, but he hasn't given the team much length. And he only went three. So the fact that you had Chichi Gonzalez come in and really help the team out, obviously the bullpen was a little rested given what Burns did the night before, but uh, 12 outs was significant. I think the three runs was a uh, was a good performance when you look at all of it and the context going in. Here's Council. He said Chichi, he agrees. He thinks he had a nice game. When Chichi's outing, I mean, he, you know, he had a shaky first and, and recovered with a couple of really nice innings. Then, you know, unfortunately, that 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 was kind of the pitch that you wish he had back to keep it a tie game there. But um, yeah, he had a nice game. So the Cardinals bullpen, you look at their side, six total innings. They got two from Helsley, two from Gallegos, a third from Verhagen and one and two thirds from Thompson. They only allowed, as I mentioned, two base runners. One of them was a walk. And one of them was a one-out double in the ninth when the game was pretty much over. So that bullpen was absolutely dominant. When you look back at where the Brewers could have taken advantage and where they could have won the game, 
That was against Jack Flaherty in the first three innings. You're looking at three hits, five walks, only one strikeout. He gave up those two runs in the first, but there were a lot of opportunities out there for the Brewers to capitalize. Council says, you know, Flaherty was not great by any means, but he did make some pitches to get out of those jams. Um, well, I, I mean, I think the, the, the thing we took note of is he wasn't, he wasn't in the strike zone a lot. Um, and, and that's how we got the rally started really is some walks, but he, then he made some pitches when we got guys on, when he got guys on base. And furthermore, he did also say the bullpen, I, the Cardinals bullpen had a terrific day yesterday, six innings, only two base runners, five strikeouts. He said that bullpen did its job. Well, we struggled with the guy throwing 103. Uh, he's pretty good. He's he's having a heck of a year, and he's he's throwing the ball very very well. Both those guys were fresh. That you could tell that too. They had pitched in a while. Um, they they were really crisp. Just kind of how their games have rolled. Obviously, that those those two haven't pitched in a while, and so they those are good relievers. Those are good pitchers. Um, they did their job today. So going back to the Flaherty thing, where the Brewers had to really take advantage. You go to the bottom of the first and lead off Yelich. I mentioned it last segment, a hit and a walk yesterday, two times on base in five, uh, four trips to the plate. He walks, Adamas goes deep, the game is tied. But then you turn right around, you get Telez on base, you get Renfro on base. So you have first and second with one out and then a tough double play there from Victor Caratini. Uh, you go to the second you have two men on with two out after the Yelich single, but Adamas couldn't get it done. And then you go to the third, the first two guys in the inning walk. And I know it's kind of a cliche in baseball, but when you walk the leadoff guy, you almost always get scored on as a pitcher. Just watching games and not even looking at maybe the percentages, that seems to be the case. Like If you have a closer that comes in, it's a one-run game in the ninth. He walks the leadoff guy. I feel like almost always that guy comes around to score. Here are the Brewers. Telez walked, McCutcheon walked to lead off the inning, and then they couldn't get it done. Uh, Flaherty made some massive pitches. He gets Renfro, who flies out. Caratini strikes out. And then Arias, who's been really struggling, flies out. Here is Council. Said that they had him on the ropes. Look at that third inning. Even the second, two on with two outs. And the first, two on with one out when they had that double play. They had Flaherty on the ropes. They just could not get the hit across. It felt like we had Flaherty on the ropes a little bit in kind of every inning, and the next hit just never happened. And I thought that was really the kind of key points in the game. You know, it happened early. We just didn't get that next hit when we had a shot. And, you know, they, they went with their big relievers, and they, those guys did a really nice job. There's Craig Council. Uh, again, I mean, looking back at the game, the bullpen was due on the Brewers' side of it. The bullpen was due to give up a little bit. They had not given up an earned run in 28 and a third inning. That doesn't really concern me. That unit will be fine. I was impressed with Chichi Gonzalez. Obviously disappointed the offense did nothing against a good Cardinals pen. But sometimes, I, if you had said going into that game with Gonzalez on the mound that the team is down 3-2 going into the seventh inning and then 4-2 going into the eighth, I would have taken that a hundred times out of a hundred. They had opportunities to take advantage, had opportunities to win. It's not a red flag kind of loss to me. It's one when you have a rotation right now where you have spot starts for two of the five, pretty much with Alexander and Gonzalez, those games are going to happen. And I don't think you can really go in, expect wins all the time in those settings. 
But tonight with Lauer, I mean, that Lauer has to have a good start tonight. He, as I mentioned, a great start to the year. He's been scuffling. He took a loss in Washington, didn't pitch well in Cincinnati, but the offense bailed him out there. He has to have a good outing tonight. He's given up six home runs in his last two starts, three to Washington, three to Cincinnati. Got to keep the ball in the park tonight. Has to bounce back because in the rotation right now, I mean, he's the second most reliable guy. So if you're looking up and down, where can the Brewers actually get something sustainable going and continuing to win against good teams? It has to come from Lauer because Woodruff isn't there. He's not coming through that door for at least another week. He's got to have a good start tonight against the Cardinals. All right, 877-867-1670. We'll take your phone calls on the Brewers. What do you think of last night's game? Coming up here at 11, we're getting into what I mentioned The Packers 53-man roster prediction came out on ESPN. Grant and I will get into that, how it compares to last year's team, and if these two teams faced off on the field, who would we see winning? I think that'll be an interesting way to see where this team stands right now on June 22nd with the season still a couple months away. Coming up next, Grant Bills will be in for the rest of the show, and there was a situation on the golf course last night, a lack of clothing is the most fair way to put it. Talking about that next, it's the Bill Michael Show. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels show Ben Kenny along with you taking you until 2 p.m. And with me now back from getting his breaks done. Mr. Grant Bills. Grant. Good morning. Good morning. I need new tires too and a battery. And that was all done today or you got the no, bad no, no, news no. today. I'm not made of money. No, I I've known for a while. I need new tires. It's been on the horizon. I didn't know about the battery. Didn't know about the brakes. It drives exactly the same, by the way. It stops no faster. They, I don't even know that they did anything. They just charged <laughs> me a couple hundred bucks and sent me on my way, as far as I know. I feel like going in to get your car looked at is like when you go in for some internal MRI and you're looking for something very specific, like you have a skin patch on your left arm, and then they tell you that you actually need surgery in like four different areas. I feel like that's what getting your car looked at's like. It's like, yeah, you know, you probably need new brakes, but also there's about $6,000 of damage done <laughs> to the interior of your brake pedal and battery holder. So, yeah, you need a new car. So I do a lot of driving. I go to Milwaukee a lot. It's where my girlfriend lives. I go to a lot of concerts, whether it's the city's Milwaukee, Madison, whatever. And I get very anxious about the idea of my car breaking down. I don't like that. I hope that never happens to me. And there's this poster behind the desk of the dealership I go to. And it says, make service time for your car or your car. What does it say? Schedule service time for your car or your car will schedule it for you. And there's a picture of someone leaning over their broken down (laughs) car on a hot, sweaty interstate. And it sticks with me. That that really woke me up. I, I take care of my car now. Yeah, I don't like that. That's scary. I don't either. That's kind of like hate marketing. Say, hey, so that your life doesn't suck, come get your car done. I mean, I've done the drive to and from Philadelphia multiple times when I was in school. That's like a 14-hour drive. 
when I'm here and driving around Wisconsin, I, for some reason, never really think about what would happen. But when I was driving through the middle of Ohio, which is oh. the most lonely place on 94, like when you go through Pennsylvania, it's pretty at least. There's some mm-hmm. terrain. There are trees. There's some stuff happening when you drive across that state. Driving through Ohio was the most lonely, depressing drive along that road. And it was then where I thought, what if my car breaks down? Uh, my phone doesn't have service, and I just I, I just die here. I that did the, you did you do that drive by yourself? Yes, every time. And honestly, do you like that far by yourself? I did a 19 hour drive by myself last summer, and it was I weirdly liked it. Oh, I loved it. Now this is oh. I mean my crazy brain, but let's say like when I was driving from Philly to here uh, to school, probably when I was a junior, I woke up at. 6 a.m. in Philly. I, I got in the car. I left at 6.02. I, I woke up a little nice. earlier, but that's when the morning show starts at WIP. And this was during COVID, actually. So there were no sports going on. And they had a week where they settled all of their great sports debates. Some crazy stuff like, uh, is McNabb, you know, the best Eagles quarterback ever? Uh, yeah. It was the process of success. All of those, uh, all those arguments. Was Andy Reid, you know, should he be loved? All that. That's a good one. And I listened to from 6 a.m. to when I arrived. I, I listened to 13 and a half hours of that radio station. Uh, that's great. That sounds like a dream. I did that last summer. I drove to Montana and it was right after the Bucks won the title because that's when I took my vacation. And I just listened to podcasts and radio shows about the Bucks winning the title and revisiting how the Bucks won the title and where Giannis now fits in the rankings these days. And it was just, oh, it was great. It was amazing. Didn't talk to anyone for forever, for like two days, because I split it up. I got a hotel room, but I like the long drive by myself, especially when I service my car to bring this full circle. Right. All right. So, I Grant, quickly, where are you at with the Brewers game last night? Talked about that for the first 30 minutes before we get into my situation in the heat yesterday, where are you at with that six to two loss? <laughs> I think Craig council was content with punting that game. Once the Brewers fell behind, I think going into that game, he thought about the idea that maybe it was going to be a throwaway game. It might've been a throwaway game for the Cardinals too. Like Flaherty hasn't been doing rehab starts. He's rehabbing on the fly. So I think both managers came into yesterday's game thinking, you know, if we win great, but if we fall behind, whatever we use this game to kind of set ourselves up for the next two games. Cause it's a four game series. So I think once the Brewers fell behind a couple of runs council was content to punt it, at least with the pitchers he used, but I went to a movie last night. I only saw the first two innings. Dude, the Brewers offense did nothing. I, I saw they didn't score, but it goes deeper than that. They didn't do anything. They had one base runner. Really. If you don't count the Adamas double in the ninth, that's garbage time. I don't count that in a walk. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I th- I mean, I think it's tough, really, when two of your five starts through the rotation right now, given the health situation, is our, our throwaway starts. Like, Jason Alexander's been good. But, like, come yeah. on. That's not sustainable. I would still it. call that somewhat of a throwaway start. So I guess he is in a tough spot that he is. there's so many injuries in the staff that, I mean, these starts will happen. But I agree with you. I, I'm kind of in a fine spot. I said when I got back from golf, I sat on the couch. It was Nolan Gorman had just homered. It was three to two Cardinals. And still, I felt great at that point because Chichi Gonzalez had gone four, given up three. The team's only down one run. I expected them to at least do something against the bullpen. 
which they couldn't. So speaking of golf, I, I was out on the course yesterday. My friend and I were going to play. We were planning on it. Then he texted me and said, hey, you know, it's 96, 97 degrees. Maybe we should rethink this. I said, no, why, why, why would we let heat stop us from enjoying ourselves? And for you. honestly, my stupid brain just thought, you know, maybe it'll help me get in better shape, sweating more while I'm walking. And I, I mean, it can't hurt, but that's not going to be the end all be all. But then it was supposed to thunderstorm. Then the thunderstorms kind of went away. So at the end, of, at the end of the day, we said, you know what? Let's go play. So it was 94. It felt like 100 out there. And we were walking. I don't really take carts. When I play golf, I try to at least get some exercise for it. Plus, it helps my helps my game to walk. So yeah. we're walking. We're behind this slow, slow, slow foursome. And I, I could tell another story about the disaster that that became. But we get to the... Were any of them on a mobility scooter? They could all walk? <laughs> No, I mean, they were all in carts and, and one okay. could equate the two, but I'm not going to. I know many people like their carts, I'm not going to cart shame, but we get to the third green. It's a par three. We tee off. I, I just water on the course was two dollars. Shout out beautiful Yahara Hills Golf Club for selling their waters for so cheap on such a hot day. So I bought a couple waters. I, I was taking a swig. I, I looked to my left and there are two courses here. There's the east and the west. And the, we were playing the West. The third hole goes right next to the second hole on the East. I look to my left and there is a rowdy foursome. I boisterous, I think is a fair word to describe them. And three of them are on the green without a shirt on. So I did a double take and it, cause it's not something you normally see on a golf course. And I'm not, a, I like one would expect me to say that sentence and then come on the radio today and be the old man. Be like, oh, they should have put a shirt on. It's a golf course. Have some respect. Yeah. But no, I, I kind of got what they were coming from. I myself thought about doing it multiple times throughout the round. And listen, it's, it's a municipal golf course. It's not one of those ethic driven. Like one of the problems with golf is it's so exclusive in so many ways. You know, if it's 100 degrees, they should be able to play without a shirt on. So this brings up a larger quandary that I texted you about earlier today because yeah. the weather is crazy hot and there have to be some somewhere in our moral uh, ethical guidebook as we go throughout life. There have to be some areas of life where it's acceptable to do something shirtless when it gets to be that hot. What was your first reaction? Because golf on a municipal course, I think 100% is one of those settings. Yeah. Um, so I, I made a couple lists here. I made a list of things that I love doing shirtless. That's acceptable. <laughs> a couple things that might be starting to push it. And then a couple things, right? Like things that are too much, but you might be able to pull off. You okay. Know what I mean, I so, kind of split it into three categories. So my goal here is to find the line in the sand. Where can we draw the line? If it, cause in Arizona, right? It probably gets this hot often, but I'm yeah. in a state like this where, I mean, I haven't, Felt that heat in a long time. Uh, it was high 90s yesterday. Like, where where can we draw the line in the sand that this should be acceptable? Well, I guess if you're accepting it a municipal golf course, I'm not an expert on golf course etiquette, but we could start there. So we got to go up from a golf course. Um, I think you can be shirtless at a brewer game. I think that's pretty mm -hmm. acceptable. Maybe if it's packed, it's a sellout, and you're next to someone, maybe, I don't know, that's a common courtesy thing. Um, I found a line... Somewhere among 
going to church, going to the bank, and going to. <laughs> I was trying with those three things to find a way to be shirtless in a grocery store. I just don't think you can. <laughs> Same with church. Bank, probably not. Well, Here's the one I'm wondering. Is there a way to pull off being shirtless on a plane? <laughs> like, not through security, Commercial. Once you sit down. Commercial plane, that is. Yeah, of course. And you're flying coach economy. I've never flown anything else. So I, my brain just goes to the back of the plane, you know, three wide. Let's say you have a window seat. Someone has an aisle seat. There's a seat in between you. It's hot. And everything else is good. Like you have your laptop, noise canceling headphones. You don't smell. You're not obese. You just take your shirt off because you're warm. If you're with a bunch of Midwestern people, I feel like you might get away with that. So I think the problem there and the problem I also faced with things like grocery stores is that if it's 100 degrees out, most of these places either have air conditioning or it's not that hot. So I don't think it's a setting that anyone would find themselves in. I do think there would be a large scolding if that would happen. I, I don't think that's publicly acceptable and I'm okay with it not be right. Like I, I'm fine with I enjoy wearing a shirt on an airplane. But uh, I, the the church thing is it now. I'm not very religious. I don't regularly go to church, so you may be better equipped to think about this than I am. But uh, what if it's outside? Hey, <laughs> is that a bad um, thing to say? Like, is that disgraceful? No, we had. So my church in college, when everyone would come back for the semester, they would hold mass in the park, Meyer Park down by the marsh. And they'd set up a big tent. And it would be like this welcome back party for students. And it was pretty cool. There was always a tent. Again, here's the thing, Ben, you're not from the Midwest and maybe Pennsylvania is very similar. So I, I could be wrong, but you've also lived here for a while. People are so nice. They'll just think you're weird and not say anything. And part of me thinks you could get away with sitting in church shirtless because no one would say anything. They don't <laughs> think it, but no one's going to come up to you because no one in the Midwest makes waves. They just let it go. So I, I think maybe you could pull it off just because of that. That's a good point. Uh, maybe it could depend on the size of the town or city we're talking about. It's true. Even in the state. Uh, so that's an interesting one. The, uh, the Brewers game one, I might be the guy to come out and differentiate the roof being open and the roof being closed. Dude, when the roof is closed and it's hot out, it turns into an oven in there. I know, but that is also technically inside, you know? Oh, like I'm so cool with it. It becomes an inside setting. You right. Keep the shirt on. Yeah. So I, I think that's the issue I'm facing. And I, I was there last year. It was, I mean, high 80s and they closed the roof because it was supposed to rain. It was the Cubs series last year. The series where the Brewers got down seven, nothing in one game and then won it oh, like yeah. 14 to seven. The other game was 13 to two. I went to the game. The team won two to one when Woodruff went seven scoreless. And it, I mean, it was a great game, but it wasn't the most action-packed baseball you game. Your shirt on. I had ever seen. I my shirt stayed on, and it was it was ferociously hot. But I think I I am going to group a baseball game into yes. How about how about like a a bar patio? How about patio beers? Um, because I know the uh, establishment would say no. Well, if you're outside, they don't care. I mean, it depends. Like in downtown Lacrosse, there were a couple of bars that I love that added a air quote patio simply by eliminating two parking spaces outside and setting <laughs> picnic tables there. And they're like, "Don't take glass out there, but if you do, don't drop it." 
like do what you want to do. You know what I mean? You could sit out there shirtless. Um, tarps off in the bar happens all the time in lacrosse. You go to students bar and, and or students bars. There's not a bar called students bar. That would be really lame. Um, yeah, people take their shirt off. Absolutely. That's questionable behavior though. Well, ab- oh, absolutely. But so is like making out in the bar and people do that all the time. Like you look on over the dance floor and it's just disgusting. Yeah, but I'm talking about more uh, where as a uh, society can we actually accept it? Not oh. where can you actually do it and, and where <laughs> is it done, but where can it be accepted? So the light of society doesn't shine into places like that. Yeah. Dance floor, student bars. Like uh, other no's that I was struggling with, like you can't do it in the press box. I mean, that's a no. given. I, I don't think I, I don't think we'll see Zach Heilprin at a Wisconsin game going tarps off in the press box uh, at a grocery store. I said no public transit. Big no. I don't know why it's a bigger no than others, but I had to drop that in the subway in New York City. Doesn't a bunch of wild stuff happen on those things, though? Yeah, but I, I'm going to differentiate the state of Wisconsin from yep. the subway and the, the trash of, of New York City. The dentist. Big no. Uh, <laughs> fine dining if it's outside. Like, what if it's 110? Yeah, if it's hot. It, well, here's the thing. Like, have you seen what Harry Styles has been wearing at concerts? It's nope. not really a shirt. It's like suspenders, and that counts. You could get away if they, if they look nice and it's stylish. You could you could do something like that, but there's straps going over the shoulders. That makes a difference. Are the nipples covered? Uh, for the most part, no. Okay. Understood. All right. I, we're going to continue this conversation throughout the day. Eight seven seven. I have a story for you, by the way, about a time I went shirtless and I don't think I should have. And I, I think it affected the next year of my life. All right. We can hit That's that it. next. We got to step away. Take a quick break. It is Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. 877-867-1670. Again, coming up top of the hour, Packers 53 man roster projection, a quick pivot from talking about where you can actually live shirtless in this society. But it's it's Ben Kenny, it's Grant Bills. We're in for Bill Michaels. We'll back after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael's show, Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill today, 877-867-1670. Grant, we're going to get back to this uh, public ethics conversation when we come back after the top of the hour in a couple minutes. Uh, But I have a relevant piece of breaking news that Bill has talked about extensively and that now has reached a very interesting development. So... The breaking news sounder coming to you live from the studios here in Madison, Wisconsin. I am Ben Kenny with your Bill Michaels show news update. The chairwoman of the House Oversight Committee just announced that she is issuing a subpoena to compel testimony by commander's owner Dan Snyder in a deposition next week. Grant Dan Snyder had ducked this oversight committee for some time. 
He said, no, I'm going to go visit one of my girlfriends in Cairo instead of uh, testifying and incriminating myself. But now he can duck them no longer. Man, what a disaster this is. I'm starting to think the Stan Snyder guy isn't isn't such a great guy. You know, the first couple stories, I, I had my doubts, but I think this is the one where I finally decided he might kind of suck. Man. I, <laughs> so he's got to go in front of a House Oversight Committee and testify. Tom Wom's games style. You probably don't watch that show. Oh, I did watch that show. I love that oh, show. Good. good. You don't listen to music. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. I mean, and Tom, there's <laughs> certain profanity I would use, but he, he got destroyed, to put it yeah. very fairly and simply. If it is to be said, Ooh. so it be. So it is. I mean, that was correct, not Tom. Roger Goodell had been taking the bullets for Snyder for so long. He even was up there today testifying. He wrote this long letter we'll talk about later. But Snyder's going to have to face face the fire. I don't know what can get him kicked out. I don't know what Goodell can finally do. I mean, the owners have to vote, obviously. But, I mean, get him the hell out of here. Like, what are we doing? All right. We'll be back after this. It's the Bill Michaels Show. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.